Welcome to The Upward Journey, the podcast ministry of Upward Christian Fellowship in Flat Rock, North Carolina. There are only a handful of things that are certain in this life, and one of them is that we each get 24 hours in the day. Some days, that feels like plenty, and we're ready for them to end sooner. On the other hand, many days, that doesn't seem like enough time. It's been estimated that around 82% of adults don't manage their time successfully. One of the main reasons for that? Unclear expectations. When we feel unsure of what to do, we're unsure of how to spend our time. That can be said for our spiritual journey as well. If we're not sure what God expects from us, then we can spend an unhealthy amount of time unsure of what to do for Him. Thankfully, the Bible provides great clarity on the matter, and we're exploring that in our current series, The Bottom Line. Let's continue the Upward Journey. Upward family, love you guys. You're looking well today. You're looking cold a little bit. I've never shaken so many cold hands in one morning, but it's good to have you here today. Welcome to the part two, second part of our series called The Bottom Line, and we're getting to the bottom line. When I was in the 10th grade, I had a wonderful English teacher named Miss Frazier, and she was a great teacher, but she did something terrible. She made us read a book called Tess of the Durbervilles. Anybody ever read old Tess and all her problems? Am I the only one that had to read that book? What did I do to deserve that in my life? Tess was so difficult to read. She had so many problems. I don't even remember what she went through. I just know the more I read it, the more depressed I got. It's like 550 pages of depression and struggle, and I was ready to get out of that, so I came up with a solution. I went to the Westchester Mall in High Point, North Carolina, to a little bookstore there, and I could take you to the place. They had a rack, a metal rack of little booklets that were black and yellow. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Uh, come on, say it out. What did I get? Cliff Notes. Do you remember? Anybody remember Cliff Notes? How many used the, we need to just do a mass repentance this morning. How many just didn't read the book, but you got the Cliff Notes? I'm going to tell you, the, I wouldn't be here today were it not for Cliff Notes, because Tess would have killed me without the Cliff Notes. I'm just telling you, I could not have lived through 400 more pages of this girl's trouble. So I got the Cliff Notes, and thank God Cliff Notes had to come from heaven, right? All the teachers are like, no, they did not. You cheater. Uh, but I read about 50 pages, and I found this out. Kids, you may not want to do this, but I found out that I could pass the quizzes and the tests with Cliff Notes. I couldn't make an A, but I'm going to tell you, folks, that C felt really good after getting through tests. I got to the bottom line of that thing. Those of you who are that kind of person... Uh, this verse in the book of Micah is really the bottom line, and I'm not just saying that. Many rabbis down through history said that Micah 6.8 is a one-line summation of the entire Old Testament law. Now, I like that. If I can read one line and get the heart of it, then I'm in good shape. So we are getting to the bottom line, and we're talking about three practices that we want to put into practice in our lives in 2023. Micah 6.8, let's read it together. Can you read it with me? The Lord has told you what is good, and this is what He requires of you. Now, here come the three things. To do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. To do the right thing, to be kind to everybody, and to walk in humility before God. Justice, mercy, and humility is the heart of God's law. Now, last week we talked about doing the right thing. And I want to tell you, I had to do some right things this week. My problem is I've got to listen to my own preaching. The pastor has to obey it too. 
So I did some right things this week that were very uncomfortable, but I did the right thing. And I know you did too, because I got so many responses of people saying, I listened and I did the next right thing as hard as it was. So it was a joy to go through that. Today we're going to talk about the second practice. Micah says we are to love mercy. The Hebrew word there for mercy is hesed, which means to show kindness to others. So today we're going to talk about how to be kind to everyone. Now it's kind of tough in our day to be kind, isn't it? Can I get an amen out there? Anybody think it's tough in our day to be kind? You see unkindness everywhere. And if you're like me, when somebody's unkind to me, my human nature is to be unkind to them. When somebody does me a certain way, I want to get back at them. That's my human nature. And whether you say amen or not, that's yours too. And you experience the same thing. Do you understand that? You see unkindness everywhere. You see unkindness all over in the media. You'll see people uh, yelling and screaming in restaurants. Did any of y'all see the Waffle House video when the lady threw the chair across the counter? And there is this superhero server or cook I think those cooks at Waffle House must have supernatural powers because she caught that chair, spun it around, and threw it back with one hand. (laughs) And she had scrambled eggs in the other hand. I don't know if that's true or not, but it was amazing. But we see videos like that all the time of unkindness, people attacking each other. Have you seen those videos where it's like, so-and-so gets owned by so-and-so? Anybody seen those? You're not going to admit that. Anybody watched any of those? Well, I'm just going to be the only honest one here. Me and Ken are going to be honest. I've watched a few of those. And there's something inside of me that likes to see. I'm just confessing this morning. I'm repenting this morning. There's something inside of me that just likes seeing someone I disagree with get owned. (laughs) Yeah, they told them. Shut them down. We see unkindness everywhere. We see unkindness on the road. I was driving to work uh, just last week on Thursday, and and there was a shutdown on the road, and uh, I was in traffic for, it took me an hour and 15 minutes to get here. And uh, let me tell you, when people are waiting for an hour on the road, they show their unkindness. You see unkindness everywhere you go. We see unkindness in political leadership. Oh, I'm going to get in trouble here, but uh, you see unkindness from both sides. People who, and and can I just be honest with you this morning without you getting too ticked off at me? Um, Sometimes I see political leaders that I agree with their policies, but I really disagree with their attitudes. That I want them to succeed and I want what they believe to happen, but I see unkindness sometimes coming out. And I think there is a better way to lead, and there is a better way to do that. Now, before you get mad at me and think I'm being political, let me just tell you, I know what people say, and I hear this a lot, and I'm really wanting to hit at this today really strong. People say, Pastor, we're in a cultural war, and you just can't be kind to these people. Before you say amen, hang on just a minute. Last time I checked the Bible, and I think it's changed since last, I don't think it's, cha- I don't think it's changed since last week. Let's get that straight. Rewind. I don't think it's changed. 
The Bible said that the fruit of the Spirit, one of the manifestations of the Holy Spirit in your life and my life as Christians, is kindness. And we're not to surrender that. Now, kindness does not mean you roll over and abandon your beliefs. Kindness does not mean you don't take a stand for Jesus and for His Word, because you do. You can say amen, it's not unkind. There's some things the culture is trying to push on us that I do not accept and will not accept. There's some things that even our government is trying to push on us that I do not accept and will not accept. But I will will stand, but I will not surrender my spiritual authority to try to win a political victory. That's important to understand. My victory is not based in politics. Yeah, we're fighting a war, but it's not just a political war and a cultural war. It's a spiritual war. And if we surrender our Holy Spirit presence and authority in our lives and surrender our kindness and begin to walk in the enemy's territory, he's going to beat us. Oh, I'm hitting on something today, and I'm just going to stay on it for just a minute. When you fight on the devil's ground, you give him authority. We don't fight this thing down from the middle of it. We're not slinging mud with everybody else because as Christians, we are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus who is seated at the right hand of God and we don't fight the battle around us because we're above it in the spirit world and we look down on it and speak to it from a place of spiritual authority. I'm preaching this morning. Good job, preacher. Way to go. And if you surrender your spiritual authority to try to win political victories, you're going to lose your power. You're just going to be another voice in the room. You're just going to be another angry person, another opinion in the room. And you're not going to have a voice because the enemy's voice and every other unkind voice is going to drown you out. People need to hear a clear sound in our day. And they need to hear it from above. And the only way we stay above this is to be like Jesus. And He was kind. You see, now wait a minute, preacher. Uh, Jesus also turned over tables. That was at church. I'm just going to leave that right there. Why do we need to be kind? Number one, there is a call to kindness. There is a call to kindness. Micah says we are to love mercy. The Apostle Paul put it this way in the book of Colossians chapter 3 and verse 12. He said, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves. Did you hear that? God chose you to be holy. You know what that means? It doesn't just mean how you dress or how you cut your hair. or Whether you go here or there. When it says He chose us to be His holy people, it means we're called to be set apart from the world. And we're called to represent Him. And what Paul's saying is this, since you're called to represent God, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Since God chose you to be set apart for Him, You've got to do this. You've got to be kind, and you've got to put it on. You've got to clothe yourself. 
What's kindness look like? I read a wonderful story of a group of ladies who celebrate every year what they call Friendsgiving. That's when you have Thanksgiving with friends instead of family. And maybe they do that early. They did it early. They had Thanksgiving with their family. But earlier, before Thanksgiving, they would get together with their friends and celebrate Friendsgiving. And they all went to Waffle House. Want it noted, Waffle House has had two mentions today. And I'm wanting a waffle right about now. Uh, They went to Waffle House, and they do this every year. It's like 15 of them, I think. And they each take a $100 bill with them just for Friendsgiving. And they buy their food, they get their breakfast, and everything that's left over goes to the server. And they posted this on Facebook, and I thought it was so beautiful. They ate at Waffle House, ate a breakfast, celebrated together, and they tipped their server $1,125. And the server turned out to be someone who was really struggling about Christmas time. I believe she was a single mom, and she was able to enjoy Christmas because somebody decided to be kind. I think we should probably try to do that in Henderson County. If God lays it on your heart for next year, let's all go out and do a Friendsgiving and just bless somebody big time. They were so excited. Let me tell you, that cost them $100. But when you do something like that, you get more back than that $100 could ever buy you. There is nothing Target has that can bring that kind of joy. Do you understand? There's nothing Walmart can give you. i got to hit them all. Who else do I need to hit? Costco and Sam's. There's nothing out there, Waffle House, there's nothing out there that can buy you the feeling of being kind and blessing somebody. Here's what kindness looked like. The Apostle Paul said this, Philippians 2, 3, 5, several verses. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Who cares what they think? Don't always be thinking, I'm I'm inserting some stuff here. Don't always be thinking about you and your image and how you look to everybody. It doesn't matter. Be humble, Paul says. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. This is not an invitation to an inferiority complex that I'm no good. Paul's simply saying this. Think about other people and how your life affects them. Verse 4, don't look out for your own, only for your own interest. Take an interest in others too. Why? Because it's the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Kindness. We're called to kindness. Then Paul says this, the choice of kindness. Paul said, you put on kindness like we put on clothes. You get up every morning. Some of you have done this this morning. You cared about your appearance before you came to church. Some of you did. Others of you. Others of you just you just made it here, and I'm so glad you did. You made it. <laughs> you know who you are. No. There I'm being unkind right there. You see? I need this message. I need it. You got up this morning and you decided what you were going to put on. By the way, I want it noted, this is the second Sunday. I've not worn black for two weeks in a row. I want it noted. Don't count on it lasting, but here we are. When you get up in the morning, you care about your appearance. You care about what you look like. You want to present a good appearance to everybody else. 
I love this quote I read. It said, if you want to improve your appearance, improve your attitude. In the morning, when you're thinking about your appearance, Paul says we can also put on an attitude. It's a decision. I said, it's a decision. I hate it when preachers do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. Look over at your neighbor and say, you won't do it. It's okay. It's a decision. I don't have to have the attitude that I wake up with. I don't have to keep it all day. Any of you ever just wake up in a mood? Can I get an amen? Man, that hit Steve so hard, he just leapt to his feet. Amen. Amen, brother. Amen. You just let God move, brother. You ever wake up just feeling down? You don't have to keep that. You ever wake up feeling angry? You don't have to keep wearing that. You ever wake up fearful? Can I confess? I woke up this morning afraid of about three or four things that might happen. And I talked to my wife, and she straightened me out. Thank God. Thank God for her. But I decided, I'm not wearing that today. I'm not keeping that today. Instead, I'm going to put on something else. I'm going to put on kindness. I'm going to put on humility. I'm going to put on an attitude that helps me treat others with kindness, even when I disagree with them. If you want to improve your appearance, improve your attitude. Because kindness doesn't just happen. You choose it. You choose it. When do, I choose to be un- to, when do I choose to be kind? Well, a couple examples. Choose to be kind when someone fails. Choose to be kind when someone fails. One of the greatest opportunities you have to be kind to someone is when they disappoint you, when they don't do what they were supposed to do, when they're broken, when they're down, when they're out, you and I have an opportunity to be kind. According to the Apostle Paul, the true, the mark of a true godly person is that they restore people when they have fallen. They don't move towards judgment or towards condemnation, but they move towards mercy and restoration. Paul says this, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin... You who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. I love that verse. First thing Paul says is this, really godly people restore others. They don't cancel them. Can I get an amen? Now there are some people who call themselves godly who love canceling people. You might have been canceled at a church. I've had people come to me and tell me, my church just canceled me when I failed. I failed, I did something, and everybody started ignoring me. It should not be that way. We have people come in sometimes, and oh, Lord, I've learned. I've been pastor now 25 years here and three somewhere. I'm going on 30 years. I'm getting old. I know I don't look it, but 
once in a while people come to me and they're new to the church and, and, and I, know what, I know what to look out for. Let me tell you, there are certain phrases that are like caution, caution, and warning. One of them is this, when people meet you the first time and say, I got the gift of discernment. Like, oh Lord, here we go. Here we go. And people say this, I can come into a situation and see what's wrong. Big deal. You don't need Jesus to do that. You don't need the Holy Spirit to see what's wrong. Look around. Yeah, sure there's stuff wrong here. You know why? We're humans. We're following Jesus. We're going to do the wrong thing. You sit in church and you look over and say, that guy doesn't look like he's too happy. Maybe he had a bad day. Give him a break. Somebody didn't speak to me. Well, the world's not about you. Man, I'm preaching this morning. <laughs> yeah, come on. Uh, it doesn't impress me that you can see things that are wrong. Children can do that. It's not our job to go around diagnosing everybody's problem and straightening them out and making them think about, think like we do. We've got a culture in our world today that the media calls the cancel culture. And let me just tell you, Christianity runs completely opposite of canceling people. Completely opposite. You want to stand out from the world. It's not about what you wear, what you, how you cut your hair, or whatever else, the old school thinking. If you just smile, you'll stand out. If you love people when they're down, you'll stand out. But our culture today wants to dig into your past. Can I just say this? Whatever in your life has been put under the blood of Jesus Christ is over. If it's been covered by the blood of Christ and you've received the forgiveness of the Lord... He has washed that out of your life, and you don't need to keep rehearsing that again and again and being worried that somebody's going to cancel you because the Scripture said Jesus at the cross canceled our debt of sin off of our life forever. He took it away from us, and it's over. I'm preaching a bunch of stuff this morning. I hope you're getting all this. And we don't need to let a culture exist in us that resurrects things that have already been put under the blood of Jesus Christ. This culture today wants to find everything you said on Twitter. Wants to go back and search all your YouTube videos. Oh, Lord. Lord, I got 15 years of videos. I don't even like some stuff I said. Let me tell you, the worst thing for a preacher is go back and listen to early sermons that he preached. He's like, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, how did even any good thing happen with that? We live in a culture that wants to take all of your worst qualities and dig up everything in your past and wreck your reputation and wreck your career. If you're afraid of cancel culture, let me tell you something. God gave you what you had today, and he can keep you in it. He upholds you. He keeps you. And let cancel culture do what they want to do. Let cancel culture say what they want to say. 
you be a believer in Jesus Christ. You love him, you stand up for him, you leave your past with him, and you walk forward in confidence in this world because they can't take away what God has given you. But in the church, we're called to run right the opposite of cancel culture. The Bible said when someone is taken in a sin, when someone is caught in a fault, there's no question about whether they did it or not. They did it. They failed. Jesus looked at a woman who the Pharisees, the religious people, had dragged out into the street. They had caught her in the very act of adultery. I want to know how that happened, first of all. Are those preachers going around peeking in windows? That might be a problem. But they threw her in the street, ready to stone her. I mean, they were picking up rocks to stone this lady. And Jesus said, okay, whoever has never sinned can throw first. And they all left. And he looked at her and he said, woman, where are your accusers? Ran off every accuser. He ran off all the people trying to cancel her. And he picked her up and he said, go and sin no more. And that woman left delivered. If we're followers of Jesus Christ, we're going to be restorers of people when they fall. Michael, we're sitting over here. Michael, raise your hand because I want him to know. I preach this on Thursday night, and normally you only have to give credit the first time you've preached somebody's stuff. But Michael told me, he said, you don't have to give me credit on Sunday, but he gave me this. As Christians, we're not umpires. We're lifeguards. We don't call people out or safe. We throw out the lifeline. Can I get an amen on that? Can Michael get an amen on that? Choose to be kind when someone falls. Secondly, and I'm going to close, choose to be kind when someone disagrees. Whenever you're around a person, now you have this experience and I have this experience in our world. Sometimes I'm hanging out with people and I'll hear an opinion that I cannot understand how they believe it that way. Am I not the only one? I have conversations and I'm like, where did that come from? And the interesting thing is they're looking back at me the same way. In our world today, it almost feels like sometimes we sit down to have a conversation with somebody and we came from two different planets. We have basic assumptions that we don't share. And so we're trying to figure out how to have conversation with each other. We must choose to be kind when someone disagrees. Alex and I were having dinner with this very wise couple. They're here this morning, uh, this week. And they said this in so many words. I took this away and I wrote it down and I'm going to use this. Um, when you disagree with somebody, don't get judgmental. Get curious. I love that. Get curious about what made them think the way they think. My initial reaction when somebody, their opinion seems to come from a whole other planet, my initial reaction is, golly, what is wrong with them? I would love it if you'd at least raise your hands and humor me and at least look like maybe you've had that thought before. Sometimes I feel so alone. 
Y'all are like, I just want to think, what is wrong with you? The problem is, I don't understand what is wrong with them. Number one, I'm not always right. We may learn something about that next week. Humility means I'm not always right about everything. Oh, I'm closing the sermon with a bang here, but just because you got saved does not mean you're instantly right in all of your opinions. Amen, preacher. First of all, I'm not always right. And many times when I am right, I don't know all that they've been through to lead them to where they are. And I have to stop and slow down and get curious and hear from them. Here's what I found out. If I'll get off my high horse and slow down my judgment and listen to them, I will begin to understand and see where they've come from and how they got where they are. Amen? Amen? It's our job. Here's your homework this week. You got ready for some homework? Here's your homework. Do at least one act of kindness before you come back here next week. That's your deal. One act of kindness. You ready for that? One thing you're going to do. You can go up to a drive-thru and you can pay for the person behind you. Wouldn't it be cool if we did that this week? I've heard stories of that going 30 deep. People just keep paying and keep paying and keep paying. Wouldn't it be wonderful? Wouldn't it be wonderful? Not feeling too good about this right now. I'm going to give you another one. When you're in traffic, let somebody in front of you. Oh, boy. That hurt for me to say that. I'm being honest. Because you'll get these people that I don't agree with that won't get in line when they're supposed to. Oh, wait a minute. Let's go get them. They'll go to the very last and try to get around everybody. And I'm determined. He broke the rules. He's not getting in. Am I the only one? Come on, folks. We're just having a big repentance time today. The Lord is moving. We're repenting. I'm like, he can get back in here. I don't care if I wreck this car. He's not getting in. <laughs> uh, it's real. This hurts me as much as it hurts you. Let that guy in this week. Now, I said that Thursday night. And it was a guy sitting right down here. He said, no way. He did. He said, no way. And as soon as I closed the service, he said real loud, I am not letting him in. You ready to laugh? He texted me this week. He texted me day before yesterday. He said, I let him in, preacher. There's a story about that in the Bible. The guy that said no and went back and obeyed. Take a meal to somebody in need. Whatever it is, be kind this week, all right? One act of kindness, at least, before you come back. Bow with me. We're going to pray. Jesus, we love you. Thank you for today, for the privilege we have to be together in this place and hear from you and love each other and just be blessed. Thank you, God, that you keep cleaning our hearts and, and correcting us, God. Lord, we are in difficult times. And Lord, there is a call for Christians to stand up for what's right. And we're committed to doing that. 
God, we want to do it with pure hearts and clean hands. Cleanse our hearts of any unkindness, of any spirit of the age of the world that's crept into our lives and taken our spiritual authority. Jesus, today, we surrender that to you. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Anybody here today says this, we won't embarrass you, but I'm pastor. You say this, I'm saying yes to Jesus this morning. Can I see your hand really quick? I'm saying yes to Jesus. I want him to be my Lord. God bless you. Thank you so much. Others this morning, others today. God, yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Awesome. Greatest thing that could happen. Would you stand right now? I'm going to pray with you and pray with the folks online. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me, for dying for me. Today, I receive you as my Savior. I repent of my sin. I run to you, and I lay my life at your feet. Come into my heart. Live in me. Change me. I'm all yours, Lord. Amen. Amen. Love that. Let me bless you for my favorite Messianic Psalm, Isaiah 53. Who have believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form or comeliness. When we see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows acquainted with grief and we hid as it were our faces from him he is despised and we did not esteem him surely he has borne our griefs carried our sorrows yet we esteemed him stricken smitten by God and afflicted but he was wounded for our transgressions he was bruised for our iniquity the chastisement for our peace was upon him by his stripes we are healed go power of the Holy Spirit. Make a difference for Jesus out in this world. Love y'all. See you next time. Be blessed. Thanks so much for listening to this week's Upward Journey. If you would like to find out more about Upward Christian Fellowship in Flat Rock, North Carolina, you can look up our website at ucf.cc or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Upward Christian Fellowship. We invite you to join us next week as we continue the Upward Journey.